Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going really well. I'm enjoying the nice uh, holiday break, taking a little bit of time off, uh, no schoolwork right now, so I'm doing wonderful, playing lots of games, and happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. Henry's about to go as remote as possible for the next week to really become one with nature and come back a better Apex player. Yep, the Great White North is uh, my destination. Really excited about it. <laughs> Gotta love it. Before we get into the episode, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Uh, today we got a good episode, though. We're going to be covering some news, specifically looking at the trailer that dropped yesterday, recapping the 2024 Apex Legend concept, and of course, answering some great five-star questions. Before we do any of that, though, as always, let's dive into some reviews. First reviews come from Insane. This is the best calm and soothing podcast ever. I started the game a month ago and I am already a gold player thanks to this podcast. All of the episodes of the podcast are good. I am all the way back to the mid-season five podcast and they have all been amazing. Thank you all so much. That's coming from the Discord. Awesome. Much appreciated. Love people listening back. And speaking of that, this next one's coming from Steven. Hey there, Henry and Shay. First off, I love the pod. Started listening at the client interview and just caught up binging all 50 episodes as big number 50 came out. Thanks so much for the great content and amazing knowledge you provide for everyone. That's coming from our email. 50 episodes? That's a lot of hours listened. Uh, for sure. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, I think that Shay and I kind of have tried to make uh, content that will last. You know, mm -hmm. of course, we have the news segment, but also we try to have kind of just good discussions as well as overarching strategy guides that I think have, you know, stood the test of time, at least mm -hmm. looking back at it. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for both these reviews, I think we've been talking a lot about kind of how we want the future of the show to be and the kind of tone of it and what we discuss. And I think we're happy with what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, as much as it might seem like, oh, this is a video game podcast for a shooter game, maybe it shouldn't be a calm and soothing experience. <laughs> uh, we just don't really want to yell in people's ears for an hour. And so we kind of want it to be composed. We want to do our research, want to have some fun discussions as well. Uh, but it's nice to know that people are liking the direction we're going, and I think we're going to keep on that path. Well, well said. Let's dive into the news now. First piece of news, big news. We got the new stories from the Outlands, Fight Night. Sitting at 7 minutes and 46 seconds, it's our third longest story from the Outlands. It's packed full of information and lore. We're going to talk about it, give you all our thoughts, but for anyone that hasn't seen it or anyone that needs a little reminder of what it is put together a little bit of a summary and covering some of the main points so we'll see if this is informative or not for you guys we're just going to read through this real quick and then dive into really our thoughts but here's the plot taking place on the planet of malta we are introduced to victor maldera for the first time outside of written lore files we see victor punching a punching bag with some gloves repeatedly Victor is obsessing over a Dr. Knox as an ex-detective. This is the only case that seems to still have an open ending for him to follow. 
We then see Pathfinder for the first time wait in tables. He gets into some trouble with a tenant who takes a shot at Pathfinder that bounces off of his chest and back into the shooter. Victor Maldera, believing Pathfinder shot the person, grabs him and interrogates him. And this is the first time we see a nod to the heirloom for Path as he grabs and holds onto Victor's boxing gloves. We then dive into Pathfinder's memory file, seeing him mess up job after job, getting fired a ton, witnessing murders, reporting weather for an exploding planet, which we'll dive into deeper on some more future lore stuff. Cooking at Rev's murder scene and also showing Pathfinder seeing Dr. Knox escape the fire at Humber Labs. We finally see through his memories Pathfinder's creator, Dr. Amelia P., who has says he has been made for a great purpose. Pathfinder and Victor proceed to make their escape from the mob that decided to chase them down, becoming best friends in a crime-fighting duo during this time, according to Pathfinder. Victor decides to turn over Path to the mob, though, who attack with specters in exchange for information on Dr. Knox. Obviously, you learn that the mobsters can't be trusted, and Victor is shot. Pathfinder proceeds to fight these specters and discover his love for grappling by using one of their grapple guns. This is a really fun part. And as Pathfinder is about to be shot and finished by the mob boss, Victor snipes him, saving Path, making them friends forever. Pathfinder crashes and before deactivating, Victor ignores his own needs to show Pathfinder his creator one last time, Dr. Amelia P. She says in her final message to Pathfinder that he is proof that the Outlands can survive and people must be told about. Then it cuts out, you are our Pathfinder. We've made you for a great purpose. That's the quick plot definitely watch it watch it twice it's one of my favorite things i've seen from this apex team yet henry maybe give some quick just thoughts on the trailer i thought it was really fun the style of it was something that we haven't seen before you know Mm -hmm. kind of a fun little detective uh, 1950s sort of vibe to it Um, i thought it was super fun in that way Um, but it was also more than i expected in terms of lore Um, Mm -hmm. i didn't think we were going to get that much information about pathfinder's life before uh, the games Uh, but it seems like we're going to actually get a lot before this comic book that comes Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. in february i believe i believe you're right yeah um, and so I'm just getting really excited for that and the fact that Caustic uh, was kind of such a big uh, minor character. And mm-hmm. this w- was exciting to me because I think connecting the legends in that way is really fun. And I did not think that Pathfinder was going to have a connection with Caustic. I kind of thought no. that Pathfinder would be mostly in, entangled with Mirage uh, mm-hmm. because we have the cooking kind of shared backstory a little mm-hmm. bit there. Um, I thought it was really awesome. Um, I'm really excited for what happens next. I am too. It was awesome. And so we got some things that we've taken away and noticed from this trailer that we'll go over. Uh, First of which being something I've noticed that I haven't seen people talking about yet. And so maybe I'm overthinking it, but I want to get the idea out there in case I am first to it and we see some more people talking about it later. Um, But when Pathfinder reactivates at the end of the trailer, we see a close-up of what looks to be a woman's face with piercing green eyes, like absolutely piercing. Um, I First time I watched this, I assumed this was his creator, like the video started to back up from where it ended. Um, but then I went back through the trailer, and from the looks of it, Dr. Amelia P. does not have any green eyes. And Horizon has blue eyes, Watson has blue eyes, because I was trying to think about like what scientist could it be. And the only other character that I could think of that has green eyes is Mila, Crypto's sister, who we've, you know, got a lot of story uh, that seems to be circling around her that we'll eventually loop back to. 
I just want to put that out there in case I'm either one overthinking it or two, the first person to kind of point that out. Cause I think it's just, I love how in all these trailers and stories from the outlines and stuff, there's so many things that go somewhat unnoticed that we circle back to later and say, wow, this team just does such an amazing job with stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. Eye color is something that in the past uh, they have said doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it gets um, mixed up. But I think this is a good catch. And it's been a while since we've heard from Mila. I mean, mm-hmm. talking, I mean, you might be able to say that the Rampart reveal trailer in season six uh, was the last time we saw her. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, you know, we're going into season eight now. And we haven't heard much. So, yeah. Some other notable things, uh, you know, we'll kind of just throw out some of the theories I've seen floating around on Twitter and in the YouTube comments and stuff. Uh, But we got, you know, QW was mentioned and, you know, potentially appeared as the mob boss. That's not like confirmed, I guess, but that's what people are theorizing. Um, And that's also the person who's responsible for framing crypto. Uh, And we know that based off of the loading screen text files. And so really cool to kind of see little things like that circle into this the big one that i like is you know people have theorized that watson's dad could have been pathfinder's creator uh but we're now learning that maybe it was her mom uh you know could dr amelia p stand for amelia paquette you know she had a bit of a french accent while she was you know talking and such and that would be really cool to see you know pathfinder's uh, creator be watson's mom and just bring that family together and intertwine all these stories in great ways yeah, I, I thought this was really, really thrilling because mm-hmm. we haven't heard anything about Watson's mom and it seemed like Watson kind of had a kind of difficult upbringing, you mm-hmm. know, being with her dad only and then having her dad taken away from her uh, at a pretty young age. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see where her mom was and why she is doing this interesting robotic experiment with Pathfinder that has according to her, a huge purpose that's going to impact the, the entire Outlands. outlands. Mm-hmm. Like Pathfinder's the chosen one or yeah. something. I'm not really sure what that could be and how it would relate to maybe Watson and Watson's dad. But this is definitely a, a big ripple in Apex lore. And, you know, we're coming off of Horizon. And mm-hmm. when Horizon came out, Shay and I were like, wow, Horizon is now the center of attention for the future like she's mm-hmm. the smartest she has the most influence she's really going to dictate the next year of this story maybe we were wrong maybe pathfinder is mm-hmm. the one i hope he needs to be the chosen one bring balance to the force That's um, right. i i'm just loving this trailer so much like i i think uh i don't think you guys can understand how giddy at least uh, we were probably watching this i mean we learned so much even about like caustic's backstory we know who's looking for him uh, we'll dive into it deeper. We've potentially learned a bit about Caustic's mom being connected to Crypto's mom as well and some interesting stuff in there. Like there's so many little pieces of lore that show up in these trailers that are just absolutely awesome to see the team think about. Um, and then big shout out to Pathfinder voice actor because absolutely killed it, Chris. And I just had to point out two of my favorite voice lines from this trailer. We have him saying lightning never strikes twice proceeding for his ship to then be struck twice by lightning and shot down because as we know anytime pathfinder flies a ship the ship goes down as we know and 
piss off scavlander just needs to be a voice line it really does i i loved it it was so great the pathfinder humor is just unmatched and the positive optimism throughout the entire scene it's just such a great refresh with all our you know negative villains around and you know life or death like this guy just brings the positivity there is a lot more comedy in the apex writing than i think you see at first glance like Mm -hmm. you see the negative you see the revenants and the caustics but pathfinder's hilarious mirage is hilarious loba is kind of sarcastically funny sometimes Mm -hmm. but today i was playing a lot of rampart and she is hilarious like some of the voice lines just kill me and so i like that comedy is really used in this game a lot with these voice lines and pathfinder is definitely the king of that around here definitely these writers absolutely kill it every time and this was great and they've been all over twitter teasing a lot more things to come so i'm excited to see the future any other thoughts maybe on the trailer before we wrap up talking about that i'm excited to get that skin yeah that pathfinder skin looks great that pathfinder skin might be worth 20 bucks like straight up i might have to make that purchase it it looks absolutely great we're excited to hopefully see some more trailers in the next coming of days uh to hear more about this collection event the next piece of news an interesting one at that a twitter post from play play apex kind of showed the finale of the season five storyline between loba and revenant um really just like a voice line lore post in a way and so we have loba you know going to retrieve the source code but instead of destroying it like rev and loba agreed to at the end of the quest uh, she sends it through a phase runner to gridiron and she wants rev to suffer and now realizes that this means living forever for revenant uh those two eventually fight loba walking away victorious and Rev then vows to kill whatever or whoever Loba loves next to get revenge and have her suffer even more. Could we potentially see Loba's blue-haired friend? I think potentially his name is Jamie. I cannot remember off the top of my head, but he could be in some danger. And before we talk about this a little bit more, uh, shout out to I, at I am Fragment on Instagram for drawing the art behind this voice line story. Um, he was commissioned to do it a couple months ago and says he had some trouble keeping silent about it. He was so excited. He does absolutely amazing work, though. And if you ever want to see some of his artwork, check him out on Instagram. Uh, and we repost a lot of his stuff on uh, our Instagram page as well. Apex artwork is unmatched in the scene. So just had to give that little thought. Uh, but what maybe are your what were your impressions of this? You know, I don't know what to call it. Trailer voice line story. Yeah. yeah, I mean, something this big, uh, we'd usually dedicate an entire episode to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it was released in this manner, like they've done a few big things uh, on Twitter with regards to the story, um, we're just keeping it in the news. And we're not going too deep into it because I think it'd be better for us to look backwards. And I think maybe we'll circle see back to pieces. it at some point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we think this is very important, but... Uh, we're kind of just going through it on a top level right now. Um, like Shay said, there, there's there been some uh, controversy around uh, the, the specifics of this uh, lore video voice line uh, story. I'm okay with it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of shocked that it had taken so long for us to come back full circle uh, for the source code and wrapping up the season five trailer now at the end of season seven. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm excited. 
uh, to kind of see where the story goes next. I'm really hopeful uh, that the lore and the next quest really jumpstart everything and we can get all the legends involved again on one big quest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything more to say on this specifically? You know, a lot of controversy in the end, though. It's just more content is always great. I think the biggest takeaway, honestly, from this is you got to follow at Play Apex on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. drop in comics from the quest dropping stuff like this like and this is where you access it along with dev streams like to play apex twitter is a must follow if you're a fan of apex legends and while you're at it follow at third party pod so that's all i really got to <laughs> say on it plug. shameless plug this is our show we can plug as much as we want um you know We'll probably talk about it more. I think we will talk about it more when we talk about the next quest, hopefully in this uh, next coming season and just maybe even if it connects or not and talking about the direction they're going with lore and stuff, which we'll do in an upcoming episode. Um, But just more lore is always good. And that's what we believe sets this game significantly apart from everyone else. And so we're never going to complain about more, more lore out to everybody. Yeah, and if anybody is upset that Loba didn't destroy the source code or it wasn't, you know, harmed in any Mm -hmm. way, guess what? They can't destroy the source code because Revenant isn't going to leave the game. Mm -hmm. Like, as we talk about all the time, we can't vault uh, legends because people spend money and there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different uh, aesthetics related to legends and you wouldn't want to take somebody's main out of the game and so revenant's not going anywhere it was never on the table to destroy the source code Mm -hmm. so if this does feel a little lackluster because either loba beat revenant or did whatever she did to the source code i think just take it with a grain of salt because it was nice to kind of get some closure on this but we want both of them in the game Mm -hmm. so i think it's good Definitely, for sure. Next piece of news, quickly. End of year Apex Legends sale is live. You know, great deals on some packs if you're into purchasing a big bundle of those. And we got a Phase Walker recolor in the shop. Looks absolutely great. Intro animation when you're selecting the legend that's unique to Wraith. So good. Got any thoughts on this one? The last two months of things in the shop have been really impressive to me. So I love it. They look like they're on the right track, in my opinion. Uh, the Phase Walker recolor, I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a good time to be spending that uh, holiday money. Definitely, I guess. no doubt. Uh, last piece of news. This is just a fun one because we get so many questions about you know pilots and if that legend could come into Apex. And you know we have our answers and our opinions, but this came out from a dev, and so we're excited to finally maybe shed some of that opinion onto it. Uh, but essentially, you know, wall running does not fit into Apex Legends is kind of like the core idea here. Uh, it's coming from lead game designer Daniel Klein. Uh, you know, Daniel's one of our favorites uh, designers over there, does great work with the Legends, and he's pretty active on Reddit and Twitter. So if you follow him over there, uh, you'll get a lot of really good information. Uh, you know, Daniel says that Apex is a game where positioning matters and we're getting the drop on enemies matters and loadouts matter. Uh, he follows that up by saying that wall running is a movement style that really makes these core aspects of Apex relevant. So you can vertically move to these high ground spots and just running on walls. That defeats the purpose of a lot of Legends' abilities to get up there, get the team up there and such. And also noted, kind of interestingly, because we're really big Titanfall fans, but that people kind of, while enjoying the wall running and fast movement mechanics, 
burnt out on it a little bit after the Titanfall series in a pretty quick way. And we've heard devs talk about how Apex is a 10-year game. And so I don't think that is, you know, if there's potential for something to feel like burnt out, I don't think that's going to be added to the game anytime soon. What are some of your thoughts maybe on this wall running thing though, Henry? I really like that he said these kind of things um, because first off, we believe that Apex has the most exciting and the best movement in any BR. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of people, that makes it quite difficult. Um, but when we had Daniel on the show, we're both big fans of Titanfall. He wasn't very positive about uh, <laughs> the movement mechanics in Titanfall that we really like. He said it's too fast, it's too much dopamine, too much adrenaline, mm-hmm. and people burn out on it so fast. Um, it's hard to flip on Titanfall and I guess relax or something. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought that was interesting. And now seeing that he has the same concerns for Apex movement, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm not sure if stimming being in the game is the same as wall running. I think what uh, Mr. Klein is saying here is that if you put wall running in, that really takes over the speed of the game Mm -hmm. because wall running isn't just hopping up horizontally for a couple yards. It's going on one wall, jumping up to another wall and really climbing as well and moving very, very quickly. In Titanfall, you run on walls faster than you run on the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I see it being kind of a complex issue and I'm glad to see that it's not going to be coming to Apex. There's good reasons for it, aside from the fact that Shay and I have raised multiple times, <laughs> the maps aren't built for it. Yep. So it's like, as much as it might be a cool nod to Titanfall and fun and potentially powerful to combat Wraith, it doesn't really fit. And mm-hmm. it'd be hard to use in the current uh, three maps that we have. So I'm okay with this decision. I like that it was discussed. I think that going back and listening to our interview helps kind of uh, substantiate uh, these opinions too. So I think this is good and clear to me. Agreed. Agreed. Before we get into the 2020 Apex recap, here's a little word from our sponsors. The Good Games Podcast is brought to you by Henry and Shay. Hopefully you like those guys. From our success covering Apex Legends, we've sought out to create a new project talking about all good games. If you want to hear Henry and I cover games from Rogue Company to Assassin's Creed, check out the link in the description here about all the good games we've already covered. New episodes coming in the new year. Welcome back to the show. Now we're diving into looking back at 2020 from an Apex Legends perspective. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Just to start it off, um, we started 2020 coming off of the release of season three in October of 2019. With that, we had a new map, World's Edge, and the incredible Winter Express at the end of the year. Um, And so pretty much... It was exciting going into 2020. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of content. Uh, I felt Shay and I were definitely on the grind, excited about Apex. Things were really good at the beginning of 2020. Um, Obviously, for reasons outside of Apex, 2020 didn't really turn out to be all that great uh, globally. But I think we have a lot of fun stuff to dive into on the Apex front on what made 2020 really good and what were the impactful moments yeah looking um, back at the stuff and like thinking about it it was interesting to see like some of this stuff feels so long ago i'm like oh my goodness that was 2020 but this has just been a heck of a year so 
I think all that stuff's going to feel a lot of whack, but there's a lot of really fun stuff we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I at least in my own mind, I feel like anything before March was last year. <laughs> and I'm not sure, like there was no podcast at the beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. And we started in about March. And so uh, maybe it's just my brain doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're just going to go over some highlights. Hopefully we don't miss anything major. Um, I think we'll be able to touch on all the big things, um, but we have uh, at least some notes to guide us and keep us on track for an entire year of recapping (laughs) Apex. Definitely. The first of which uh, Shay and I may have thought was last year. Um, It was actually 2020 and it was Forge. A huge fake out in the video game industry Many people believed that the Season 4 Legend would be the Prize Fighter Forge, sponsored by Hammond Robotics, which made a lot of sense because mm-hmm. at the time we were already getting, you know, teases that Hammond Robotics was going to be investing heavily into the Apex games. There was partnerships with the planned installation of the Planist Harvester on World's Edge. Um, so all the kind of pieces fit together for Forge being in there. But then in a cinematic trailer, there was a press conference where Forge was assassinated. This was quite the mix-up and really a brilliant way to introduce the next legend, the assassin Revenant. It was crazy. Like, the data miners were thrown off by it. We were thrown off by it. This was at the beginning of our podcast, so we weren't uh, fully delved into the ins and outs of really the data mining leaks and future content, content release schedule of Apex yet. And so... We were bamboozled, to say the least, by this. Um, And it made so much sense looking at it thereafter. We're like, a Melee legend? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, Forge will live on forever in all of our hearts and with all of our weapon charms. Uh, And there's still some people holding out some hope that, you know, you have simulacrums introduced into the Apex game. There's a lot of possibilities for you to do uh, some stuff down the line. And so... Maybe someday we'll loop back to this main old prize fighter and he can go toe-to-toe with our boxer uh, Pathfinder someday. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, just coming from a a game design or a writing perspective, this is something that is not done very well. You Mm -hmm. don't promise and kind of under-deliver in a way. You don't kind of back out of what you say you're going to bring. And so even though some people are now saying retrospectively that they knew all along uh, that Forge was a fake-out, uh, this is kind of a fun thing that we like to look to as really the beginning of 2020. This is just uh, the team over at Respawn getting started and part of what brought us to the podcast, in mm-hmm. all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like these kind of big moves definitely caught our interest as players and inspired us to make content about this game. Definitely. No doubt about it. The next major thing, just for 2020 in general, uh, is Revenant's journey. Um, this year, it's been pretty incredible. Uh, from Revenant's really cool reveal, being mm-hmm. the assassin of uh, what was planned to be the next legend of the game, and and on release having a very difficult kit, and then receiving a buff that just rocked social media for months. Mm-hmm. It's been kind of a wild ride, but here's kind of the numbers, I guess you could say, <laughs> um, for Revenant. And essentially... Revenant was released and 
had a kit that was really hard to use. It required a lot of teamwork, a lot of communication. Uh, the passive was underwhelming for many. Mm-hmm. And so Revenant was not a favorite uh, upon release. And Shay and I already at that point were getting kind of antsy after the honeymoon period that we need to come out with a legend that is really, really fun mm-hmm. and really powerful. So at the end of season four, uh, the team did some big changes to Revenant's abilities. The first of which was they changed his tactical from having one charge and 25 second cooldown and silencing legend abilities for 10 seconds doing 10 damage. That's what it was. Mm -hmm. They buffed that to having two charges and silencing abilities for 20 seconds. And at the same time, made it so that when you returned to the death totem, you got 50 hit points in your health for free instead of coming back with one. Such a crazy change all at the, at the time. same time. Yeah. All at the same time. And also throughout 2020, there was a lot of changes to kind of what the silence could impact. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't always affecting Gibraltar and uh, Lifeline's passive abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, You couldn't uh, silence a Pathfinder out of the sky. Wraith mid-phase wasn't possible either. We have yet to see the Pathfinder stuff, but um, (laughs) that all happened as well. But the really interesting thing about this insane buff, which is just extraordinary, is that Nobody really seemed to care. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not a very impactful buff. You know, it did happen at the end of a season. So you could say there wasn't a lot of hype around it. Kind of just snuck in. Um, this happened at the same patch as the Bloodhound buff to their ultimate extending uh, five seconds per knockdown, mm-hmm. um, which is really the beginning of Bloodhound story in 2022. Um, but... It's just crazy that this change kind of came into the game and really nobody even turned their head. What we've talked about for a while and what I think this kind of story illustrates is first impressions are beyond important and Mm -hmm. introducing a legend uh, needs to be powerful and whether it be overpowered, like as the terminology or not, you just can't underwhelm with a legend. It's going to take a lot of time and a serious amount of power an opportunity or outside forces to get that legend back into a place where I think the devs would then want it to be, you know, we have short attention spans as human beings and you got to nail this one the first time around when it comes to legends. Uh, Not everybody has access to read the patch notes. Not everybody listens to the podcast. Not everybody can find the dev stream on Twitter. And so I know people that play this game a lot that aren't aware of changes like this. And like they might, randomly pick revenant one day and be like i have two silences but still not know like the actual changes to the abilities and the times like and that is kind of interesting uh in another way of itself yeah this was just kind of an insane buff on paper that really was hard to feel in game because revenant still wasn't getting the attention wasn't getting played enough Mm -hmm. Um, but the 50 health for free was was pretty insane to us. And even on the early episodes of the podcast, I can remember just talking about you're going into a fight and if you place the totem well, which is hard, Mm -hmm. you're just, you have more hit points than the other team. And so it's, and if all three are hitting the totem, that's 150 extra hit points as a unit. So this was big. 
But it took until season five uh, for the developers to give even more power to the underwhelming season four legend Revenant, like Shay was saying, by giving the death totem unlimited range, but still a 30 second duration. This absolutely blew up Revenant Mm -hmm. and led to a very quote unquote toxic meta in ranked, which upset a lot of players uh, on social media. The death protection push seemed nearly unstoppable. And with crypto and Wraith together, it felt that there was really nothing players could do to counter it. Mm -hmm. This was an interesting thing. And the honest truth is like, there haven't been serious changes to this either. Like this is, uh, it's not like they took away this ability and function. They made slight changes to Wraith's portal system and how that, you know, interacts with the totem and such and abilities. but that rev push is still the same as it was back when it was looked at as toxic. And I'll let you finish this next thought before then maybe I give my opinion on what I think uh, affects something like this in that way. Well, this was just huge. Like people quit the game because Mm -hmm. of this, like this was probably the biggest news of 2020. If you were to say something big that happened in Apex, it probably wasn't Olympus. It was Revenant meta was so crazy and you were either good and liked it, bad or didn't like it or whatever. But this was huge. And now, uh, you know, you go past that in season five, season six, only tiny, tiny, tiny changes were made and Revenant is kind of just fell to not be a favorite legend and pick rate and had the second lowest win rate. Mm-hmm. Mirage won more games than Revenant, even with this incredible ability, death protection, not fair at all, um, really brutal. So no changes were made. And it's just incredible to see how much public opinion mm-hmm. and play style impact not only like power differences and balancing, but also just day-to-day gameplay. It's just an amazing case study, I think, for video games in general. It's so interesting, and I still am excited to hopefully learn more about this maybe in the future when we talk to some more people, but it seems like Revenant and potentially Caustic as well are looked at, and I just want to know if there's a difference as a case study of how much does a map impact, you know, win rate, pick rate, and that kind of stuff, because I felt like playing this game. It's very apparent that a Revenant totem has a lot more power on Kings Canyon in that ranked split than it does on Olympus, you know, last season or last split. Like, I wonder if there is a serious difference between that. And it'll be interesting to see, like, we still, we've never had three maps in rotation. Like, are we going to go back to Kings Canyon and play ranked there eventually again? And if we do, do we see a return of some sort of meta that people looked at as toxic that we know works on those maps really well? Um, I'm very interested to see where the future of this game and comes and goes with maps and balancing Legends abilities across maps. Like we saw Jibby have a 100% pick rate in pro play on uh, Olympus, which is just absolutely crazy. We've never had another Legend have a 100% pick rate since Wraith. So like it's it's interesting to see like is there actually difference across these categories this is something that shay has been talking about for seasons now on how do you balance legends when maps change every Mm -hmm. season and every split it seems so difficult but you know we have to talk to some more people and 
see the numbers because mm-hmm. from a field perspective, I think you're right on world's edge in a very urban map where you have a lot of verticality, the death totem is better mm-hmm. than in a more open area like Olympus. So it's an interesting discussion. Revenant is in a very interesting place um, right now. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not going to be any big changes uh, to Revenant. Uh, it seems like Daniel Klein is definitely still on the drawing board uh, for coming up with ways to bring that uh, win rate up without destroying the game. There's a lot of really good players that say there is no space for death protection in mm-hmm. Apex, but it's a fun mechanic that takes a lot of coordination. It, it seems like it's balanced. It definitely isn't breaking the game in general right now. So what can what can be done to Revenant is definitely a question for the future. Definitely. And we have some we have some kind of ideas of what mm-hmm. we what we think we'll do, but we can't share them publicly cuz then the team can't use them. So, you know, if if anybody True. listening to Apex needs some help or ideas on Rev, you know, we can we can contract out for one legend to give you some <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Maybe we could help out. The next major thing in 2020 was the introduction of quests. This was huge. Okay, I don't, I don't know if we can put in perspective how much hype came with this when it happened around the time. You might have to go back and listen to our episodes uh, when the first quest was announced. But we looked at this quest and we were like, this is a campaign in a free-to-play Battle Royale game that is providing more lore than anything else. This is completely unprecedented, absolutely amazing. And while a lot of people said, oh man, it's kind of lackluster, like the you know, missions aren't that fun to play and stuff, Henry and I still enjoyed them every week. And we enjoyed reading all the quest lines, freaking out about new developments between the legends, a lot of back and forth on you know, comic versus you know, lines and having a playable quest versus not. I'm just excited that this is something that is in the game and was introduced to Apex at all. Yeah, it's such a cool thing, you know, and now with the comics, that's a different thing. It's not a playable mission, but Mm -hmm. we are really excited for the future of quests. It's not, you know, set in stone that we have these expectations of anything playable, but Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the story. Um, It seems like internally, uh, a lot of the producers and writers and developers and designers are excited about the story. And so that makes me think uh, that we should be excited too. I agree 100%. The next major thing in 2020 was we got a lot of new uh, items in mm-hmm. the game. Um, one of them being the mobile respawn beacon, uh, which was one of the first things that came out of the Vancouver mm-hmm. office, um, which was really cool in season five uh, at the event split, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool because um, that's coming up here uh, yeah. next week. Who knows? Who knows? Who we knows? might get something fancy. <laughs> um, but we also, in season six, got the replicators. And I think looking at these two things uh, side by side, uh, I think we value the replicators a little more mm-hmm. uh, than the mobile respawn beacons. But just so impactful to the yeah, game. that's what's replicators, crazy. Replicators, mm-hmm. 2020, like, kind of came in under... You know, the cover of darkness kind of just dropped out one of man, one man to find the replicators. It's incredible. And I do not like looting. I'm mm-hmm. anti looting. I want to fight. Says the I guy that win. plays the BR with the most looting of any BR. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I spent I, every single game. I am replicating Mm -hmm. and I'm getting five, six bats Mm -hmm. every single game. I love the replicators. I love uh, their current state. 
Um, not with the weapons in there. I really like that there's now more attachments available. I like having the batteries so much. Um, I just think you always have crafting. You should always be picking up some crafting and no matter what your loadout or your legend, there's always something for you to craft. Evo and armor I just upgrade. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, like there's always something you can do, even if it's just ammo. Um, it's worth it. And mm-hmm. it's such a cool loot mechanic in a game where loot is really important, but it's hard to find. And so now, like if you look at 2020 in general, we've just had a, a loot upgrade mm-hmm. lifeline getting additional loot in her ultimate lifeline loba. getting uh the packages loba coming in as a loot legend the replicators like all of these things making it easier to loot having more loot i think is something you should kind of look at and maybe learn something from that hey i should be doing these things it's important to get batteries please listen to us and get some batteries. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was a really impactful thing for 2020. I don't know how I lived without this many batteries (laughs) in 2019. Uh, Hopefully they don't take them away from me next season or I'm going to have a mental breakdown. Definitely. Well said. Replicators are so impactful and maybe just harp at home a little bit more, but the mobile respawn beacons have not been something we have felt like have shaped games at all. You know, they just, they take too long in pubs and they're too obvious and ranked. And I wonder if we're going to see some more changes potentially to those in the future, but I would, I, I like the function so much of them. And I don't ever think there's a problem with bringing people back into the fight. Like if you get away and can mm-hmm. be rewarded for that, I think that's kind of cool. And you come back, you don't have loot armor or anything at all. So like, I do think there is room for maybe to see this potential item grow in power and usefulness Mm -hmm. across these modes. Uh, But maybe some more new items coming in the future or some changes to these existing ones. Agreed. We're not giving up on the mobile Mm -hmm. respawn. Next major thing, 2020, another thing uh, making an appearance in season six, Evo armor made permanent. This one was crazy. We did not anticipate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like. I don't think we did. Did you think this was going to be like a full-time thing in pubs? We knew people have been talking about it for a long time, but we always talked about like, maybe they'll do this just for competitive play or like mm-hmm. just for ranked or something. Like it seems like such a huge deal to like change it for everything, but they did. And I'm more used to it than I've ever been. I can't imagine what it was like beforehand. And what people might not remember about the Evo armor coming in as permanent was the change to the time to kill along with it uh, upon yeah. introduction. That was a fun time for a first couple of weeks in the Apex universe. Got rolled I back. Listen back yeah. to the episodes because I think like, I don't know what face we put on publicly. We tried off mic. We were jaw dropped. Yeah. Like we were kind of in a panic um, well, yeah, we were like, insane. this game has completely changed. It's a whole different game. I'm playing new COD. Legends, I'm playing new COD. Weapons, yeah. like everything needs to be uh, rethought. Yeah. I love the Evo Armor, though. Now. Like, I, we can talk about it more if we want to, but I think this change was big, impactful, but I think very effective for pubs, ranked, and competitive across the board uh, for everybody. Yeah, and in the current state of season seven, I really like the balance of it. Um, mm-hmm, you know, they mm-hmm. extended the duration to get that red armor. I think that's completely appropriate. Um, 
you know, combine it with the replicator's abilities. I think the Evo armor's in a really great state. Um, I wouldn't want to go back and mm-hmm. just thinking about, hey, if I want to be prepared for the end game, I want to have purple armor. That's a luck thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the past, in 2019. But in 2020 now, um, you can earn your purple armor. And that's a really cool thing to have in a BR where it's survival of the fittest and it's supposed to be merit-based, not luck-based. Agreed. So it's a very cool thing. Next piece of 2020 highlights is Bloodhound taking over. Mm-hmm. In season three, 2019... Bloodhound was considered to be one of the weakest legends. And in our rankings in both season four and season five, we ranked Bloodhound very close to the bottom of the pack. Yeah, they just didn't have the full kit to put it together and be incredibly impactful. Yeah, and because of this specifically, we stopped ranking the legends Mm -hmm. um, just because it it wasn't really fair to us um, that... We would have legends that performed really poorly in our rankings, but it was unfair to judge legends individually in a team-based game. Mm-hmm. was kind of our brief synopsis of why we stopped doing that, but we still look at legends uh, on an individual basis in our Mastering the Legends, but comparing them all together, how do you compare a support legend with an offensive legend? How do you, you compare know, like, crypto you to Pathfinder? Like, yeah. it, it's impossible. You have to pick mm-hmm. things to value. Like, do I like the ability to revive is that very powerful or is smoke more powerful it's Mm -hmm. hard to do that and so we just decided to stop doing that (laughs) um but going back on the bloodhound train in 2020 they went from a least favorite to the second most popular choice in legends right behind wraith no one would have ever (laughs) predicted that in january of 2020 incredible i also loved that bloodhound was the first legend to start to break the mold of competitive apex like bloodhound was the first guy to come in there and not have everybody play jibby path watson or wraith like and find success doing it with complexity and so we don't we'll talk we're going to talk about like competitive apex scene as a whole uh upcoming and in the future episode and kind of look forward uh but this was just at the height of our passion for competitive apex it blew our minds like how impactful this was yeah bloodhound just kind of zero to hero a Mm -hmm. really exciting legend to follow and i in my opinion the most fun legend to play right now Mm -hmm. like i don't have any more fun with anyone else uh than bloodhound but i've been enjoying why? flying around in my drone true flight simulator <laughs> legend yes exactly it's fun it's fun um but why did bloodhound rise to mm-hmm. nearly the top in 2020 first off you had the extendable ultimate like we talked about with uh, the revenant change in season four mm-hmm. um you also had a scan with a 25-second cooldown and a four-second tracking duration. So it wasn't just a snapshot it anymore. It used to not be a thing. That's the craziest yeah. part. Like it used oh. to be useless. Mm-hmm. It just gave away your position. Mm-hmm. Now you can track people through walls, wall hack, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and it's pretty incredible. And so not only do you have that, but you also have a crazy scan 
buff while in an ultimate that can be extended where the scan or tactical has an eight second cooldown and half as long an activation time. Mm-hmm. So just, it's incredible. Bloodhound, when bathing in the blue, has the fastest legend like in movement in the game. Um, and while the ultimate can be just destructive offensively, just revealing people, scanning them, you have everyone highlighted, you're moving so fast. Um, it's Bloodhound's also really useful in positioning mm-hmm. because now you have the survey beacon and you can scout areas with the scan. And so I just I love Bloodhound. They're the most fun. I think they're so powerful. I play them in ranked. I love that they've made kind of a splash in competitive. Mm-hmm. And so I think 2020 Bloodhound really took over. And that's something that no one anticipated and I think is just so fun. Yeah. Bloodhound is an interesting case for sure. And I'm excited to see where the future goes with other legends. Potentially competing might be the wrong word, but just like who else maybe makes a, a rise like this in the future. But Bloodhound's also a case of these legends and their classes are confusing as heck to me and i hope maybe that's yeah. something that's addressed in the next uh, year <laughs> yeah we we have some ideas to talk about that in an episode mm-hmm. um, which would be really fun and i think there might be uh, some larger discussions on this definitely uh, for sure next major piece of 2020 is care package madness um we've just seen a lot of volatility in the care package with things that people wouldn't expect um, the first thing was the devotion went in, uh, kind of seemed uh, like it was by social force. Mm-hmm. People were kind of outraged and it seemed internally that the devotion was put into the care package because it was unstoppable, fully kitted uh, in the end game. So it went to the care package. But in 2020, it's out of the care package. Peacekeeper went into the care package with relatively, you know, no must, mm-hmm. no fuss. Mm-hmm. R99 then went into the care package, big shocker, Mm -hmm. then came out of the care package and the Prowler went into the care package. So just a lot of excitement uh, around the care package this year. Yeah, we're hoping to talk to somebody maybe in the weapons team about the care package and stuff. And because we've just heard so many reasons for why they're doing stuff like this and then why they're pulling them in, why they're pulling them out. And there's kind of some contradiction, it seems like, from information that we're getting. I'm not against what they're doing though right now, like keeping the loot pool, it seems fresh in a way and finding the guns that are really powerful and, you know, putting them in there. Um, I don't know. There's definitely room to have more uh, thought and usefulness put into the care package and alternator with disruptors to the care package 2021, calling it now. Someday. Yep. Mm-hmm. We've been saying it. We've been saying, been it, saying so it. It's pretty cool. Um, next. Just kind of taking a snapshot and looking at SMGs, shotguns, and pistols. We could go in and talk about LMGs because the Spitfire has been on a wild ride. The Devo has been on a wild ride. The L-Star has even gotten some love this year. And we got an LMG legend Mm -hmm. with a turret. So we could talk about that, but I think there's going to be some exciting stuff with Rampart soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're just going to save that. But 2020, there were some big changes to the SMGs. the Prowler dominated 2020 uh, as a whole. We were saying it from the beginning of the podcast. 
people kind of took a while to catch on, but then it got overwhelming, mm-hmm. so they had to put it in the care package. But that <laughs> happened. Um, then we also had the Volt introduced with great success, in my opinion. I think it was a really, really good addition to the game. R99 got packed, like we said, but now it's back and very healthy. So the SMGs have definitely had some turbulence, uh, but now we're in a pretty cool spot. Yeah, they're in a cool spot, and they're still like, we think there might be room from a loot pool perspective to put that prowler back on the Mm -hmm. ground, potentially, and uh, even out the playing field a bit more. But I think the fact that all these SMGs are powerful and not one of them right now outside of the Prowler, which is in the care package, so as it should be, as more powerful, but can fight, play against each other, play similar, but yet special in different roles at the same time. For sure. that's. I thought that was a really good episode mm-hmm. of ours. I liked diving into that stuff. I think there's a lot of lessons to take from it. And just play style differences between the SMGs, I think, is really fascinating. But then the shotguns in 2020. Um, as we know... Peacekeeper got packed with very little drama. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the most favorite weapon out there. Right after it got um, an evolving skin. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. I wasn't shedding a tear. No, I wasn't shedding you a weren't tear. a shotgun user. Peacekeeper. No. So I was fine with it, but I was just impressed that. They did that bold move without consulting anybody, without <laughs> testing it in an LTM or anything. It just happened. And so that was pretty incredible. And it swapped places with the Mastiff. And now we've had the Mastiff ever since season five and as a floor weapon. And it's done really well, I think. I think people have adapted to it. Mm-hmm. And having that change, I think, allowed for more players to use and enjoy the EVA 8. Definitely. Which I think is a really great weapon. And so, double tap as well being yeah. added. Like, definitely, I like that for sure. It's been a cool year for shotguns. And then pistols. Um, you know, we've had major changes to the RE45 and the alternator. But that's not a pistol. Mm-hmm. But kind of, they both had substantial changes in season five that we're still feeling today. Mozambique now has four shots, which is really a major buff in power. It's usable. Like, honestly, that's big. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very big weapon now um, in comparison to what it was. And then we have the quick draw hop up. Uh, mm-hmm. Very, yeah. At the very least, it gives some more attention to the RE45. Uh, wingman also was given some love in 2020 with the return of the skull piercer um, it's not the same wingman as it was upon mm-hmm. release with an absolutely insane fire rate and 12 rounds in the mag but Jesus. you know pistols mm-hmm. are got love in mm-hmm. 2020 is what i'm trying to say they did and the wingman is at a place where it's interesting i've heard some people calling for a buff but i think everybody's pretty happy with it and the fact that it's not dominating and it's not you know making you feel weak at the same time for sure and then 2020 we got a new map we mm-hmm. got olympus and with it we got the tridents um we've talked a lot about this yeah. in mm-hmm. recent but just a huge uh just legacy of 2020 that we got this it's completely different than any other map and the triadents just massively change how rotations work definitely getting a new map it just is amazing unmatched in other brs no doubt about it and i i love that this is a part of apex and hopefully will continue to be a part of the future with new maps coming uh in the years and so that is very very exciting but yeah we could go dive into this all we want but we've talked about olympus and tridents 
at length on the last couple episodes. Engine, just a separate note, Horizon is a legend setting a new bar for the release of very fun, powerful legends. We're excited about the future of Horizon. Mm -hmm. If she is going to be brought down, um, she might not be um, based on her performance. Um, But just seeing who the next legend is going to be and what their kit is going to look like based on the numbers of where Horizon Mm -hmm. is uh, kind of balanced at, I think it's set a new bar that I honestly support. And we're going to be talking about shortly about just kind of the future Mm -hmm. of Apex and the direction that it's going. And I think Horizon is a big indicator of where that is. We'd been asking them to do this for a long time. Bring in the legend with power. They finally did it at the end of the year. And I hope this is the future precedent that has now been set. Overall, 2020 was a wild ride. Uh, with the respawn team at the same time going remote while also largely expanding their team and for the most part keeping up the pace uh, Mm -hmm. that they set for content releases we got a very much improved game uh, that still has the best mechanics the best story three maps now which is incredible and just tons of potential for 2021 so Mm -hmm. we think it was a pretty good uh, wrap up and we're hyped to see what happens next and where this game continues to grow into definitely we're going to be doing an episode uh, at the beginning of the new year talking about uh, what we want in the future and 2021, what we hope to see, what we think will happen. And we're excited to really kind of dive into that. Maybe get Henry to share some crazy theories that he doesn't like to talk about. We'll see what we can get out of him. Uh, but yeah, I think that's 2020 and a snapshot. No doubt about it. Let's wrap it up now. Uh, we're going to do a legend concept before we get out of here. This one is coming from a patron, uh, the chef, the legend's name is phoenix you want to read lore or abilities this time around you did lore last time i'll do lore this time the lore behind phoenix is their real name is blaze jackson beautiful great he worked as a mercenary for the militia back in the frontier war primarily taking out higher-ups in the syndicate However, the syndicate was one step ahead of him and sent a force out to shut him down. The method, fire. Jackson's base of operations was burned to the ground and he was declared dead by the syndicate. Unbeknownst to them, Blaze lived and escaped to rebuild his broken body with cybernetic enhancements. Jackson had reemerged from the ashes with a new name, Phoenix. His blood was boiling and he was out for revenge. Phoenix joined the Apex Games to fight fire with fire, wrecking havoc and destruction through the Outlands in hopes of letting the Syndicate know that he ain't dead yet. That's great. We love good lore on these legend concepts. Absolutely nailed it. Um, I think we get the purpose of why Phoenix is in the games. We get the backstory. And I'm just imagining this character with cybernetic enhancements on the body, mm-hmm. just the kind of a little foragey in a way potentially uh but like i don't know could just be an absolutely awesome looking character now for the abilities first we got the passive fuel for fire once phoenix's tactical is used for every 20 damage dealt his cooldown for his tactical skips one second of the cooldown time this also counts for one percent of his ultimate charge this effect does not stack on multiple enemies only the first one affected 
This is a really cool passive concept. Um, I know that the chef was working on uh, this concept for a while. And when we get into the tactical and ultimate, we'll talk more about that. Mm -hmm. But I like that this idea of having a passive that impacts your cooldown. you know, now that we have Pathfinders uh, grapple being connected uh, to the cooldown of mm-hmm. it, the amount that you use it impacts how much or when you'll get it next time. And then using the survey beacons helps charges the ultimate and lots of things like that. I like this ability that you're rewarded for aggression by getting more abilities. I, th- I think that's really cool. And I like that it is dependent on the tactical but it impacts the tactical in a different way than I think we've seen with like the crypto and the Watson tactical reliance on each other that just feel a little bit underwhelming. Like this feels like it could add power to the kit in a really nice way. Let's talk about the tactical flame wall. Phoenix slams his fist into the ground, releasing a large amount of built up heat in the form of a wall of thermite, which extends up to 15 meters from the activation point. The Thermite does 5 damage a second and lingers for 10 seconds before going out. If an enemy steps in the Thermite and then steps out, they will burn for 5 seconds at 5 damage per second. The tactical cooldown is 35 seconds. Wow. (laughs) I mean, having... This kind of takes this idea of having a tactical grenade um, to a new level. Mm -hmm. Right now we have... Revenant, who has the silence grenade that does 10 damage. We then have Horizon and Caustic with their ultimate kind of tactical-ish mm-hmm. grenade. Um, but this is pretty incredible. If you can have a kind of long-reaching thermite uh, that is used kind of like Scorch's ability where you whip it out in front of you, uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, this will do massive damage, but not only that, will it just be a dominant zoning ability if you don't want people to push you. Like, I I can't imagine anything better than a wall of thermite fire that has lingering damage up to, you know, 25 automatically plus more, depending on how long you're in there. Like, absolutely great. We've talked about how we don't care if a legend comes in with a lot of power. So, like, I think this is a lot, a lot of power. Like, this would be a very, very good tactical at first glance. And I'm just thinking about how cool also the animation would look for it. Like a wall of fire is always just potential to do some really cool stuff in the games. Yeah. And we think about a normal fight takes about 60 seconds. And so having this tactical at 35 seconds means typically you're going to use it once a fight. Um, the passive, you know, if you do a hundred damage, that means you're going to knock five seconds mm-hmm. off of the duration. That's not incredible. I think that this passive is pretty much balanced pretty conservatively on that front that you're going to use the use the flame wall. You're going to have a cooldown of 35 seconds. Maybe you hit somebody for 100 or 200, and that will knock five to 10 seconds off the cooldown. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, you still have 25 seconds to wait. It's not sure if you're going to get it twice a fight. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's balanced in a pretty cool way. And, you know, we love throwables. Mm-hmm. We love thermites. So I think this plays right into what we like to see. Definitely. Now we got the ultimate Scorch the Earth. Phoenix brings the heat with a wrist-mounted flamethrower spewing fire 10 meters in front of him. The duration is 15 seconds, and every knock that Phoenix gets with it extends the duration by 3 seconds. It deals 6 damage per second, and the burn effect is applied for 3 seconds after the enemy steps out of the fire. Phoenix is also slowed by 15% while his ult is active. Cooldown is 2 minutes, 50 seconds. Okay. 
And the passive also does affect the cooldown as well of the mm -hmm. ultimate, which is, I, I do like that. I think that's a really nice combo to have. Duration is 15 seconds. And three seconds for a knock. Six damage per second. So 18 damage because you get three seconds if you hit them. So at the minimum, you're hitting somebody for 18 damage for a slow effect. I think that you could, you might be able to scorch the earth though, depending on like 10 meters in front of him is cool by just how wide are we talking like i think that's going to be really the impactful thing maybe on uh, the effectiveness of this ult yeah you know whenever we talk about having weapons has an ultimate ability that's something that a lot of people are excited about um we've had a couple concepts on mm -hmm. our show with it it's hard um, you know, and now that we have it in the game with Rampart's turret, um, it's still hard uh, to think about balancing that because what's going to make me drop my G7 mm -hmm. to use this flamethrower? Um, you know, I, I think that the cooldown here is a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's more than Gibraltar's. So it's, you know, a pretty long uh, cooldown at this state. Um, but it seems like the duration of it really means that this is a close quarters situation yeah. like you are going to activate this while you see an enemy mm -hmm. and probably have already fired at them um so you kind of bring them in close and then you just kind of annihilate them mm -hmm. with it um, i think there's opportunity to maybe bring some more power but i think i respect the decision to kind of be conservative with it and think it through just because it's hard to create really dominant legends and be uh be thought of seriously you know it's hard it's honestly hard definitely to struggle with it and the tactical being so powerful i think also mm -hmm. makes it so like yeah this ult probably shouldn't be like one of the top ults in the game if it was to come in because this tactical would probably be a pretty dang good one and you like really your most legends have one shining you know ability on them and then everything else a bit supplemental and so i think that maybe seeing how the ultimate interacts with the tactical potentially as well could be a cool way to see like oh can you like just seriously burn the crap out of people um but i like it fun fun concept chef thank you so much for your submission if you want to submit your legend concept uh hit us up in discord that's like the main way we see it you can join the links in the bio uh or in the description uh and if you're a patron guarantee you get yours on otherwise you are put in line and we got a good amount of them right now coming up so i think uh, we got some fun legend concepts to share let's wrap it up now and share our five star review question this time it's coming from steven i'm a veteran player since season two with over 1500 hours and previously with my friends i've been the equivalent of you guys for them providing knowledge tips tricks teaching etc etc i've nearly mastered movement and even other pred players compliment my movement but my aim is just not nearly there I'm not bad for sure, but the only thing keeping me above the people I started teaching when I had 100 hours in the game is my movement. My question is this, how do I truly fine-tune my aim and actually start landing shots that a player of my skill level should be landing? That's a great question, and I just want to preface by saying, you've got the hardest part of the game out of the way. Movement's king in this game, and if you feel that you've got some of the top movement, then uh, you've got a pretty good foundation to be an incredibly good player. Uh, there's not a place to practice your movement in this game. There is a place to practice your aim. Uh, the firing range is the easiest answer to give, um, but it's you know the easiest one for a reason. It's built to help you practice your aim. Um, 
maybe some tips for practicing in the firing ranges. Don't do the standstill shooting. You know, try and move, slide, flick on people. Um, I like to also practice while I'm in the firing range with uh, no like barrel stabilizers or anything on the guns. And so then like you don't feel like you have to rely on getting that blue barrel to be consistent with, you know, the R9 or the R3. Like if you can do it with no uh, barrel, then it's just going to be so easy once you get into a game and get a purple one. Uh, And then maybe the other thing I'll throw in there is I don't know if you do it, but don't like change around your sensitivity a ton, you know, find something that you're like or into or somebody that you trust and use their sense and then just kind of work on that. And really, I think might've been Kobe that said it on our show, but someone that we had on said the lower your sense, the more shots you're going to hit. Like there, there is, you know, the give and take of having, you know, lower sense and slower potential movement, but the lower your sensitivity and the ADS speed of it, you are going to hit more shots in turn. Uh, and I like advanced look controls as well for changing that ADS versus hip fire speed. Uh, what would you maybe add in there, Henry? Yeah, I would say on a higher level, um, choose guns that are more forgiving. Um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, one clipping people. It's about winning as a team and getting the dub in my book. And so using weapons like the G7 or maybe the Flatline or even the Spitfire nowadays, um, I think are fine, uh, especially because you have two weapons. If you really feel strongly about the R99 or the Massive or the Wingman, these quick time to kill weapons that have uh, fast uh moving while aiming down sight speeds have that as your secondary have a more forgiving weapon as maybe your primary Mm -hmm. or your other gun Um, if you have the r99 mastiff or r99 wingman you're setting yourself up for frustration not because you're a bad player but just because other people only have to hit 30 percent of their shots Mm -hmm. if they're using a hemlock so it's like it's not you it's them in that situation and so i think maybe choosing an easier weapon at least one Um, The second thing I would say is learn about the weapons you want to use. And I think the biggest things that I've learned in the last couple of months are things about the hip fire of the R99 Mm -hmm. and the hip fire of the wingman um, and just the movement speed of the wingman. Um, These are incredible things that you should know and trust uh, when you're up close and personal with somebody that you should be hip firing because it's really going to make you harder to hit in your movement. Um, But with other guns, not so much. So knowing your weapons very much in depth is really important. And then the last thing I would say is, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like it's a team game. Stay back if you want to. You know, you have the movement, which is really a hard part. It's something that can be uh, learned. So if you're listening and you're feeling like your movement isn't quite there, don't panic. Um, But the gunplay in this game is really fun and good. And so just use a lot of different weapons. Mm -hmm. Get comfortable. Like Shay said, in the firing range, uh, don't be too hard on yourself because really, even for the best players, I watch the ALGS and we see some of the best Wraith mains in the world miss entire clips, like back to back Mm -hmm. to back. And so, you know, that shouldn't say that you're not as good as them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just, that is kind of what it is. And a lot of the times, if you're using a wingman, it only takes one headshot to just completely end a fight. Mm -hmm. And so, 
stay stay humble but stay <laughs> optimistic in your gunplay and i think you'll get better and make those changes i think that we said and you might see a difference definitely great question though uh thank you all so much for listening subscribe on apple give us a follow on spotify leave a five-star review with your question we'll answer on our next episode follow us on instagram and twitter at third party pod sub to our youtube channel third party podcast check out the discord via the link in the description below thank you so much for listening to the third party podcast peace hey now another squad coming in Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>